Bird's Eye View with Erica McCall is presented by the DC Crossover. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Bird's Eye View. I am your host, Erica McCall, a.k.a. Bird, because my last name is McCall. And I am here. My guest is chuckling. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All my guests chuckle when I say that. So now everyone's like, oh, that's why they call her Bird. That's why. <laughs> and we're back with another episode, season two, episode four. And y'all, if y'all don't know who I am, I'm a fifth year professional basketball player, played four years in Hungary, one year in Turkey. And y'all have grand news. I've just, it's just been announced that I'll be playing in Spain with Avenida and Salamanca with a EuroLeague team. Y'all, I'm so hyped. This is big blessings for me. My, my dream has always been to play in Spain. It's been to play in EuroLeague and it's just coming together. So I am so hyped. So stay tuned for all the details on that. And when I get there and I'll be posting all about that soon. Um, the reason for starting this podcast is to educate, you know, fans and, and everyone, you know, what the professional basketball experience is like, specifically for women. I mean, we have a different experience when it comes to men and we have stories that need to be told, stories that need to be shared. And I'm here to bring those on a platform named Bird's Eye View. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to share some stories. And I have a lovely guest today, y'all. She's well-decorated. She's... Uh, I'm categorizing as a GOAT of the WNBA just because of the experience that she has, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> the experience that she has is like no other. Diana Tarazi don't have this experience that what my guest has. So that's what I'm, I'm leading right now. My guest today is Sierra Burdick. Sierra, welcome on Bird's Eye View. Appreciate you, Bird. Thanks for having me on. But uh, far from the GOAT of the WNBA, that's, that's definitely a stretch. We're going to have to back that thing up a little bit. <laughs> hey, you, you my GOAT. So you my GOAT. Right, for, I, because I we, that, we have similar situations and the stuff that you've been through and you've gone through and you persevered has been amazing. So you're my GOAT. So thank you. Thank you for being on. Appreciate you, Bird. No, thank you. Absolutely. Well, a little bit about my guest today. She graduated from Tennessee in 2015. We played against each other a couple times, y'all, when I was at Stanford. <laughs> and she was a well-decorated athlete at Tennessee, including being AP Honorable Mention All-American. She was drafted in Los, or to Los Angeles in 2015. She was the overall 14th pick. And y'all, this is where her ghost status comes in. Cause let me let me list the amount of teams that she's played for in this league. It's it's freaking amazing. She's played for LA, Atlanta, New York, San Antonio, and Las Vegas, Phoenix, Minnesota, and Seattle, y'all. It is amazing to have her on the show. That is freaking dope. <laughs> it's freaking dope. And we'll talk about her experience. And since we're a podcast that talks about everything all-encompassing women's basketball professional experience she also played overseas she's played in Poland Russia Israel and Italy and we'll get to Italy sometimes <laughs> sometimes sometime soon. soon yes so I'm so excited for that well Sierra you're freaking go to my eyes in order for us to get you more comfortable with the show and get you loosey-goosey I've got a game it's called fast faves we're just gonna ask you some favorite things of yours all right, all right. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Now, this one's really fun. And I've got asked this in a previous podcast interview. And I said, I got to ask somebody else this question because I thought it was freaking okay. cool. If you could create, 
an all-star team with five of your favorite, not even, you don't have to say favorite, just the best teammates you had at Tennessee, who would you choose? So we'll do like a one through five. You got a okay. one, you know, you got a center, you got a PG, who are you choosing? Okay. Uh, point guard, I'm going with Ariel Massengale. Mm-hmm. She was my point guard, came in in the same class. Uh, we spent four years together. That's like my sister. Um, super high basketball IQ, tough, good shooter, um, can run a team, is a coach now. So just super basketball heady. Mm-hmm. Uh, my center is no other than Isabel Harrison, also mm-hmm. came in uh in the 2011 class at at Tennessee we all three lived together all four years so I mean blood couldn't make us any tighter Mm -hmm. she's doing her thing uh I'm so proud of Izzy B and just the growth that she has made um unbelievable player great person is out here just building her brand um and it's a lot of fun to see um as my I'm gonna play uh I'm gonna put Bashar Power forward, um, yeah, strong, strong body, tough as nails, double double machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna play the three. No, no, no. You said five, not including me. You can include yourself. I included myself. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna play the three. I'm gonna play the three. So that means I need a two. Um, as my two. No, let me back that up. I'm gonna put Shakina. I, you know what? I'll give you a. I'll give you a six man. So then you can okay. add somebody else. Okay. okay. So let's put Shakina Strickland at the three. Snipe shooter. But but college strict because college mm-hmm. strict and pro strict was different. Mm-hmm. College strict, monster. Yeah. Monster. Not saying she ain't, she hasn't done her thing as a pro, but college strict was different. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shakina Strickland, and then as my two, I think I gotta go with who that's tough. Uh, my two. My two was hard to I was it was hard for me to think for my two too. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know why the two is tough. Let me think. Um maybe I'll say I'm gonna say Jordan Reynolds. And she's like an under-the-radar player. Yeah, Jordan. But um just super versatile, strong from Oregon. Um and she's clutch. Like anytime we needed a buzzer beater, we always put the ball in her hands and she always delivered. So I'm like, you got to have a player like that. They just got ice in her veins and and want to be a part of that moment. So I'm going to go with Jay. Wow. That's a phenomenal team. I know each and one of those players played against them all. Me and Jordan go all the way back to high school um, when she played for, uh, shoot, I forgot what their team's name, Team Concept (laughs) back in Oregon. We were battling out with them. So, man, that's a dope squad. That's super dope. Ooh, I love that. I love that question. I love that question. I'm going to ask a lot of my guests that question because that's good. And Mm -hmm. I think it takes a lot of fans back. Nostalgic Tennessee days. Y'all was back balling, man. We had some battles back then. Yeah, y'all had y'all's fair share of – Good wins against us. I'll, I'll give that to Stanford. But you know what? We never beat y'all at y'all place. And we, we never, never beat y'all at y'all's place. place. That's always what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's always Stanford, what it is. It's Stanford is a tough like place that. to play. Stanford is a tough place to play. <laughs> uh, y'all are a tough place to play. Okay. Y'all get 20 times more fans than we do. So it's. But y'all's gym is small. Y'all got everybody on top of each other. You got that daggum tree running around places. You got the band that's lit the whole game. No, it's loud and it's hard to play there. 
say less. If y'all were to go back and look at those battles, I'm sure you can find them on some YouTube or SEC Pac-12 network, something like that. So, man, I love that question. Okay, next question. Where or what WNBA home team arena is your favorite? Um, I would say Phoenix. Mm. Um, Phoenix had the best facilities and you know I've been with a lot of teams Bert <laughs> Phoenix had the best facilities like mm. in terms of practice facility yeah. weight room um, having the catering the chefs yeah. the player lounges having the club in the the new arena mm. like it, it Phoenix was really nice and I and I'm um, I wish I could have seen Seattle this season um, you know, because I think a new arena, yeah. But they were in, you know, they weren't in their home arena. So, yeah. uh, but I've seen pictures, and their facility also looks beautiful. But yes. I'm gonna have to go with Phoenix right now. Okay, their their gym is always rocking too. Like they always get a great crowd. They always yes. like our top, you know, two three in attendance. So that's tough. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. It, it, Phoenix is a good spot. And I remember seeing Phoenix 10 years ago when my sister was playing. So <laughs> not seeing the transformation. Right. And exactly. it's pretty freaking tough. So if you guys yeah. have an opportunity to go to a Phoenix game, got to get there. The, the atmosphere is crazy. The dance team is my favorite. Smokey with the, <laughs> with the afro. He's my favorite. So I've known him since, since I was like 14. So I, I, I'm a big fan of Phoenix too, for sure. Not Smokey. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, next question. Favorite vet you had the opportunity to play with? Diana Taurasi. Mm, I thought you were going to say that. Okay. Why? Easily. Um, just because she believed in me more than I believed in myself. It was unreal. And for someone, and I don't usually get like starstruck, but when I was sitting in the locker room next to her, I'm like, yo, I'm beside the goat. Like, I'm like, and I, I love Candace. That's like a big sister to me. Tamika Catchings, one of the greatest two-way players to ever play the game. Like these are part of my lady ball sisterhood. So I'm always going, you know, rep them, ride for them, be big fans of them. But I'm like, she's from UConn. We're not even supposed to like each other. And I'm like getting like, I'm like, yo, what is this? Like she's, she's the GOAT. And she's just so personable. Like she comes up, she dads me up. Like we've been friends for, for years. And I was like, yo, this is like, somebody pinched me, is this real? And so, and then just like, she was an amazing teammate for me. Like she would, she instilled so much confidence in me. And I think it was one of the reasons like I made the, the team, you know, and was able to sign the hardship contract for the, the two weeks that I was after training camp, because she just, she allowed me to play free um, and kind of allowed me to just be me and to be confident out there. And um, it, it's so much easier to play like that. When you've got somebody like DT in your corner rooting for you, it's just like, I can take on the world right now. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, I would definitely say she has been my favorite vet to play with. That's tough. She's just a yeah. phenomenal player. Amazing person. You know, like I said, my sister played with her for 10 years. So, yeah. you know, when I was playing against her, you know, D don't take it easy on nobody. And, you know, no. she, if you push, she push you down, she's not going to help you up. But sometimes I got helped up from her because I was the one and bonus sister. So it's all love. It's all love. All right. Last question. Now we have these things called Tarisms at Stanford. You know, it's just something that Tara says that's funny or enlightening. Uh, so do you have any patisms or your favorite patism? Uh, let's see. Dang, that's tough. Um, what would Big Tom always say? 
I don't know if I have like something that I think one thing that always sticks with me is like you win with people. That that was one of the things that she always said. You win with people. And it it's just she emphasizes like treating people well, treating people with respect. Like she was the most humble person I've ever met. Like you would never know she was Pat Summit mm-hmm. unless you just know. Like that's how she acts. The same person, you know, the way she, same way she speaks to the president of the United States is the same way she spoke to the staff that cleaned up our arenas after games. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I think that is something that just always stuck with me. Like you win with people, how you treat people, who you have surrounding you, um, the village that you surround yourself with, like it all comes down to the people. That's beautiful. I, I played with, with Megan Simmons and McGlory Johnson and the stories that I heard about Pat, man, they just beamed when they talked about her yeah. and they just loved the experience that they had with her. They would laugh. They would, you know, get upset thinking about the times, amount of times y'all had to run, <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but they appreciated the experience and it just made them better people and better players. And they still use her advice to this day. So I thought that, that that's absolutely beautiful. I'm sure you do the same. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I, I think Pat has shaped us so much, you know, on the court as players, as athletes, but even more so just off the court. Um, I think she has truly like molded us into the women that we are today. And it's just a testament to, you know, her passion and her leadership and her Absolutely. love. She loved us, man. I could tell <laughs> through the stories, through their <laughs> stories. I could easily tell that she loved y'all. So shout out to Pat Summit. What's up, Hoops fans? For all things Wizards and Mystics, plus Nationals, WFT, and Caps Talk, check out the DC Crossover Podcast with me, Ben Simpson, and my co-host, Mike Cerrone. We talk all things District of Champions as well as play sports trivia, give out weekly picks, and of course, talk plenty about fast food. Listen to the DC Crossover Podcast wherever you download your shows. We'll also provide a link in the description of this episode. Now back to Bird's Eye View with Erica McCall. All right, you got through the game. That was fun. That was let's fun. do it. Yeah, let's keep it rolling. I, I love that. That was fun. Okay, now time to the, the interview, the nitty gritty of the pie. All right. Let's start with your WMA journey. We'll go back all the way back to the question that I asked. Oh my gosh. How would you describe your WMA journey in one word? Whirlwind. Mm. And that's easy just because uh my blog's all about it. But um, so I've had plenty of time to ponder. But yeah, yeah I would say whirlwind. I would say whirlwind. I can imagine playing with with eight different teams. It can be really tough. So what's your mindset going into a new team? Have fun and play hard. Those are two things that my mom always texts me before every game. Um, And I had them on sticky notes written all over my hotel room throughout the training camp with Phoenix last season. And I think I've I've. obviously gotten older and I've had more experiences and I've come got a place where I can have a even keelness about me and like um, just know what I'm capable of doing and know how I play best. And also knowing just the politics of the league um, that so much is out of our control and, you know, we can come out and outplay people in camp and it just not be the opportunity for us for whatever reason. And so um I think it, I've been able to just stay steady through it all. One, because I love this game and I don't play it for any other reason other than the fact that I love it with my entire being. 
Um, it's not for the money. It's not for the clout. It's not for the fame. There's not very much of that anyways over here, but, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's just out of the pure love of the game. Um, and I, I took that training camp in Phoenix, for example, last season, knowing that my chances of making the team were less than 1%. But I was like, okay, three more weeks of basketball, free training. I get to learn from Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins, Brittany Griner. I mean, sign me up. Why not? Why would I not do this? So um, just like focusing on things I can control and having fun throughout the journey, taking the lessons where I can. And it's not always easy, but I've been able to, you know, make it this far with that mindset. Absolutely. I think I've learned that mindset with the play hard and have fun entering like the fourth, my fourth year playing in the bubble with Minnesota after I had got waived. And I had just put so much pressure on myself to do well, to get amounts, you know, certain amount of stats, you know, and just to be this super, you know, hyped up player when, you know, I wasn't doing that at all. And so when I wasn't doing it, I was like tearing myself down. And so Mm. when I enter into my fourth year after getting waived, I'm like, I'm just, my goal, I don't have any goals for stats or nothing. My goal is just to play hard and have fun. And that has allowed me to even play even better than what I expected myself to play just because of those two concepts. Right. Right. And just bringing the positive energy that goes a long way. Yeah. You, I mean, the way you play is with positive energy. You freaking out hustle everybody on the court every time you step on the court. So, I mean, those things matter. It's those they little do. things that they continue do. to get, that you can get call ups or you can get contracts, you can get hardships, you can yeah. get rest seasons, you know, it's those little intangible stuff that sets you apart from the rest of the pack. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is like, why do teams keep calling Sierra Burdick back? I think it's because I've set the standard for myself that I'm a professional, no matter how you treat me, no matter what playing time I may be getting, no matter what my role is on a team, I'm going to come in every single day. My attitude is probably going to be the same every single day. I'm just a happy, outgoing, energetic person as is. So that, and it it rarely changes. So I'm just consistent. They know what they're getting out of me. I'm going to come in, I'm going to work hard. My football IQ is is, is there. Um, I mean, I've gotten more athletic over the years compared to my college career and um, I'm a good teammate. Like I pride myself being a good teammate and there's not much extra baggage with me. What you see is what you get. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, when you're, you're that 11th, 12th man, they're just looking for somebody who's consistent, somebody who's reliable and somebody who's going to be a professional and come in and do their job every day. And I, I fit that role pretty much perfectly. Absolutely. I completely understand. Like it's just, it's, it's far more than the basketball. Like they're not like, they know you're a good player, but those like teams that are recruiting you to, to be that 10th, 11th, 12th player on the team, they're not looking for, if you're this, you know, crazy athletic, you know, standout, they're looking for pros, people yes. who know. And I bet this is a huge one. I bet you can learn plays like that and remember. Yeah. <laughs> gotta be able to or they will cut you in a heartbeat I've seen it happen (laughs) I I wish young players would learn that like with with focus on that in college I think they're so reliant on ah you know my coaches have these plays and they come in and there's there's people with uber athletic talent but they can't pick up plays (laughs) and it jacks you up people will cut you like that if you cannot catch on to the plays yeah, and that's a yeah. huge part of you know your basketball IQ and I'm sure it's a part of you know your experience at Tennessee they trained you 
to get plays down to to be able to adapt quickly. Same for me at Stanford. I'm sure it was the same for you at Tennessee. I mean, y'all ran a more complex offense than we did. But, uh, you know, we were simple horns. <laughs> we would get the ball in the paint, you know, Mercedes, Izzy B. We're going to get y'all the ball and y'all go to work with Shara, you know, me occasionally. So, but no, I mean, it definitely comes down to basketball IQ. And, and I think my coaches at Tennessee definitely helped with that. And, you know, just continuing to be a sponge over the years, just yes. knowing that you don't know it all. So with every training camp, you're learning something new. You're learning a new system. You're learning new terminology. You're learning new sets, new plays, new ways of, you know, thinking the game. And if you continue to just be a sponge and take a little bit from every place you go, I mean, I think we're going to make phenomenal coaches at one point if that's what we want to do. I'm saying you sound like a coach. I was going to ask you, like, do you want to coach? Because you sound just like a coach. Yeah, I think I'll coach once I get <laughs> Once I get done playing, I think I'll coach. <laughs> the way you break down the, you were breaking down the different players, you know, characteristics and, you know, their style of play and, you know, what they're good at, you know, you sounded just like a coach. Well, hey, when the, when it's time to hang up the shoes, hopefully somebody will hire me. If we'll there's see. anyone listening out there and you <laughs> may need a coach, um, you know, and sometimes Sierra Burdick, put her on the list. Available in about 10 years. Give me about 10 go. more years. 10 years. I will be available. <laughs> Say less. No, I, I completely understand you on that. And I and this is why recently I made this podcast. I want young players to be able to listen in, you know, and get some wisdom, get some knowledge on how to, you know, stay successful in this game and stay in this league. Because I always say it's not the, the hard part to get into the league. Anybody can get into the league. Right. The hard part is staying in this league. That's a fact. That is a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. And especially, you know, if you want to break down like salary caps and like, the tiers of payment and stuff, it just becomes more and more hard for that middle yes. tier of players. Especially you know, now with this new CBA. Exactly. They want to keep the season vets because they're the season vets, but they're also taking a lot of the money. And then you want to keep the rookies on because they're cheap and you can yes. afford them. So it's really that middle tier of players, you and I, mm-hmm. like that are in their fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh year that are getting weeded out. So yes. it's it's really hard to stay once you pass that rookie minimal yes you know uncle mike uncle mike count you were talking all about that in the last the last episode i'm sure he talks about that to you and sending his mass text out about you know what the heck we're gonna do with this cba so (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you know all about that well right dope 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 let's transition into overseas currently you're in france you're playing with leon What's your season been like? Uh, how have you done? Um, and, and, and how's your team doing right now? You guys are in the finals, correct? Yeah, we're in the finals. We're playing against Borges. Uh, we've got game three on Saturday. We're currently down 0-2, so we really need this game at home on Saturday. Take it one game at a time. You know, hopefully we went on Saturday, force a game four, and take it from there. Um, this season has been really long. I actually came not – late, late, but I came around November after um, I finished up with three on three. So I guess the season had been going on for maybe a month, <clears throat> month or two before I got here. Um, and if I definitely will say that Leon has, has been a very professional club, you know, everything that you need to be a successful basketball player, they, they offer. I mean, we have great facilities. We have a great weight room. We have a great strength and conditioning coach, a great physio. Um, we've got a, a very knowledgeable coach. Um, we've got a film guy that breaks down everything we need. Um, you know, so in, in the city itself is, is beautiful. It's, um, 
super diverse here, which is nice because I've been in Poland for the past three years where it wasn't diverse (laughs) and I stuck out like a sore thumb. So it's really nice to see other brown and black people here. That's beautiful. Um, so that's one of the the benefits of playing in France for sure. Um, on the court, it's been an adjustment. This is a, I've, I've come into a different role, um, here with this team than what I'm used to when I go overseas. I mean, I went from the Polish league where I literally played 38 to 40 minutes a game was averaging 16 to 17 points, 12 rebounds. You know, I was considered top five player in eval every season. Um, and then I come here and my role is very different. It's like we're very guard dominant. Um, Tony Parker is our, our owner and he's pretty adamant about having the best French players on the team wow. and the French players getting a lot of the attention, yeah. a lot of the, the reps, a lot of the balls. Um, and so with that dynamic, my role, you know, coming here was first be a defender and rebounder. Um, and then offensively, I've kind of adapted into a really good screener, passer, um, high IQ player, and I'm the energy player. You know, I yes. come in, I'm like six man, so I'm coming in trying to just bring, I mean, I've started and been a six man, but lately I've been more six man. Um, and just bringing the energy, um, trying to, you know, bring runs out when we're in slumps. So my role is definitely different this season from what has been in the past overseas. Um, but I knew that when I came to France and it was one of my reasons for coming here that I would have to step outside of my comfort zone. Mm. Um, and I didn't know in what dynamic that meant, but uh, it was slowly revealed to me <laughs> that <laughs> this is definitely not what I'm accustomed to when I go overseas, but it's been good. It's been good for me. And I think I've definitely, you know, been a positive attribute to this club because our person now our team personality is very much like this yeah we can very quickly go here like down Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's been my role to just kind of bring everybody up and be the uplifter which can be exhausting um that is uh that's kind of what my what my season here in France has looked like Mm. you mentioned that you had a different role and and I want people to understand that not everyone is going to be the overseas MVP. And I think that's what a lot of people expect when people, when players, especially Americans go overseas, that they're expected to be you know, the person that gets all the shots, you know, you know, just the, the main player. Mm-hmm. And it's important to mention that there are different roles. When I was playing in Hungary, I was playing consistent 20 minutes, like, and we were just a very well-rounded team. So everyone was mm-hmm. going to get shots. I freaking went to Turkey. I was playing 40 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, was the main honcho and it's just it's different it just depends on the team it depends on the coach and not every it's just it's you're not always going to have that role as being the head player and and it's Mm -hmm. important that you embrace your role and whatever you have because that's what makes a team a team successful is when everyone embraces their role right right so I mean exactly and you I mean overseas teams they talk agents talk like (laughs) if you're not willing to accept your role people are going to know and it's going to mess up your bread in the long run. So it's like just what, and, and it's hard for people to accept the role when it's not the role that they envision for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you have this like internal battle of like knowing you can do more and want to do more, but also maybe it's just not my time right now to do that. Um, and you, you know, it's, it's up to the coach to make the decisions. And that's one of the big things that I've learned. Like I'm not getting paid to coach. 
my job, I'm getting paid to come in here and to do what you asked me to do. Yes. And if I do what you asked me to do and we fail, then that's on you. <laughs> it's not on me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's our job as players to just try to fulfill the role being asked to fulfill. And then if it's yeah. not working, then the, the, the coach has to make the adjustments. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're a definition of a pro. Just, you know, your career and what you've been through and just the way that you have to be as a person, as a leader, as a basketball player, you are my definition as a pro. Pokey Chapman used to always say that, be a pro, be a pro. (laughs) I had some vets on my team that were not being professional. (laughs) (laughs) No, we know every every team has a, you know, those, uh, those few, those few with the little rough edges that aren't always pros. Yeah. Fun to be around, but the coaches, they just, ah! (laughs) Headaches. Yeah, headaches. Headaches. Get on the last nerd. Well, you talked about, too, wanting to step out your comfort zone. Was there a moment in time last season or something you you decided in the offseason where you decided, hey, this is time for me to, you know, try something different? It was, I mean, I had spent three years in Poland, and I was just comfortable there. Like, I knew the league. I knew the players. I knew the teams. um, I knew the cities. Like I knew what I was capable of doing there night in and night out. And it was just like, what else can I do? Like I knew France was one of the best leagues in the world. I had always at some point wanted to play in France just to see the competitiveness and the levels of play. Um, and I and I was like, just in the back of my head, you know, maybe I should go to France. Maybe I should go to France. And I was just waiting for that opportunity to arise. And then it just timing worked out. Lyon uh, lost Niall Raincock to an injury. Um, and they needed somebody to fill her shoes. And I originally signed just a two-month deal until she was able to come back from injury. Um, but she ended up stepping away from the game altogether, and I signed for the rest of the season. Um, and so it, it just allowed me to – and, yeah, it did push me. It pushed my boundaries. It pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I don't know if I spoke it into existence because I was like, mm, I'm comfortable in Poland or in Poland or if, uh, like – you know, I made the, I also made the intentional decision, like this is going to be a change, but it'll be good for me in the long run. And has it been, can you say it has I mean, been? I, I've grown. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can say I've grown because you grow through adversity. You grow Absolutely. through tough times. Like you're yeah. not growing when everything's easy. So I, things have just become easy for me in Poland. Um, and I'm always someone like I, I need growth. I need the constant grind to feel like that I'm getting better, that I'm improving in some way, whether on or off the court. Um, and so, Pol- I mean, France has definitely just challenged me in ways that um, other overseas experiences haven't. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely say that, you know, I've grown through this season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm sure one of the challenges is you playing such an extended season. This is probably the longest season that you, you've ever played professionally. Yes. No, I mean, it's, it's June 2nd and I'm still here. Like, <laughs> I've, never, I've never been overseas still in June. Like it's hot. It is hot. Like I always leave overseas in like the fall. So it's not super hot yet. Like you're in those like high sixties, low seventies where it's like, man, this is perfect. Like shorts, t-shirt, I'm good. (laughs) Here is freaking flaming. And there's no AC like in my apartment, in the gyms. It is like, it's rough. And I'm like, I need to get home immediately. Two things to mention about overseas. One, France typically always goes long. That's why some players fear going there because they're worried to be in your position because if you are a successful team, you're playing deep, <laughs> deep into the playoffs. 
yes. yes. <laughs> Deep into May, into June. <laughs> yeah. So you're there for a while. So kudos to you because I know it's, it takes a mindset to be able to get past that when, you know, you see all your friends and family, everyone, you know, typically home right now and you, you know, you're out there. So absolutely kudos to you. And then second thing, air conditioning overseas does not exist. I don't want you to tell you <laughs> otherwise. You, you buy fans. <laughs> okay. This I've is how desperate I was. I took, we played on the road for game one and two. I took my fan with me. I took my fan with me on the bus to the hotel. I was not playing any games. I was not being defeated by these hot hotels anymore. I was serious. But you try to, even you try to go to the hotels, they have an air conditioner, but it it only operates as a heater. I'm like, what is this? What is this? It's only a heater. Like I'm freaking hot here. You got to open up the window. You open up the window. You hear the cars are passing by. So you want to close these so you can't sleep. So you just wake up in a sweat. Exactly. And then the bugs be flying in. You're just mad. It's just a bad situation. It's just time to go home. Well, next time I have a road trip and we got a bus, I'm going to bring my fan. That's a, that's a great idea. It's a cheat code. <laughs> Say less. Well, let's transition into three on three. So you were really a part of the forefront of professional three-on-three and, you know, you competed with your team Force 10 in, in different events so or competitions. So how, you know, what really was like the regimen of being a professional three-on-three player? Yeah, so I originally started playing three-on-three in 2014. USA Basketball um, put together this team and it was in between my junior and senior year in college. And it was me uh, Tiffany Mitchell, Jewel Lloyd, who are both still playing in the W, and then Sarah Hammond, who had played at Louisville but has since retired. Um, and I think we were the second year. There was one other team before us that I think Cheney and Skyler had played on. Yes, two yes, other. yes. That's like really when three on three had started. Yeah, I, I think it started in either 2012 or 2013, um, if I'm getting my years right. And then 2014 was my year. We went to Russia. We won the world championship. Um, and I had taken a break. There, there was like a break in between. And then in 2019, uh, my agent reached out and was like, hey, the Seattle Storm are doing this really cool thing where they want to start the first professional women's three-on-three team. And it's going to be under the Seattle Storm management and umbrella um, and it's going to be forced 10, three on three. Would you want to be a part of it? And I was like, I get to travel on the weekends, compete on the weekends. But during the week, I'm at home training and with family. I was like, yes, this is the perfect case, like best case scenario. Um, and they had to be approved by the WNBA as a pilot program. Mm. But because of um, whatever, why the league decided this is beyond me. But because it was a pilot, we could not receive the prize money that we won. So, yeah, leave it to the league to try to take some money out of our pockets. But that's uh, another story for another day. (laughs) Uh, But uh, so we had uh, went all over the country for different Red Bull three on three tournaments. Um, And, you know, there was a women's side and men's side. And it was really rough that first season because there would be some tournaments where there weren't enough women's teams Mm. to play against. So we would have to play against men's teams. I mean, it was just truly like first rodeo, first season. There needs to be a Netflix documentary because it was all it was something every weekend. Wow. Um, And then 2020 hit and we weren't able to have a season. And then 2021 came along and. 
I was playing in the WNBA, but I also got to play, you know, in between my stints in between teams. I got to play with the USA Basketball Nationals um, in Springfield. And then I also got to play in a women's series tournament in Lithuania. Um, and we won both of those tournaments. Um, and we actually got to keep our prize money, which was nice. Yes. <laughs> uh, right, right. Um, and yeah, so now this, this upcoming summer, as soon as I leave France, I actually report to three on three training camp. It starts oh. June. 10th. Yeah. Um, and we have the world cup at the end of June in Belgium, June 20th through the 26th. And then I'll go straight from there to a tournament in France and I'll play in France. Um, and then I'll get a little break for my body. Cause I'm going from obviously this I season straight to three on yeah. three. Um, and then, yeah, I'll be playing in women's series tournaments all throughout the summer and uh, Red Bull tournaments as well as as some practice for the women's series. And I mean, it really is an awesome opportunity. Like Absolutely. I love three on three. I love the game. I love getting to travel um, and I'm still able to earn some income to pay my bills. So it's, yeah. it's really the best case scenario for me. For sure. How long does a, a season uh, last? For three and three. So the the first FIBA Women's Series, which is the the professional um, league for national team three on three teams, so each country can enter a team. They have to be allocated to certain tournaments. Three on three is a lot. There's a lot of layers. It's point systems, all this stuff. But the first tournament was actually um, in just last weekend in Tel Aviv. So I saw that. in Israel, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah end of May until end of September is typically okay. the three-on-three season. Nice. That's super dope. I just, I just found it so fascinating. So cool that three-on-three is now an official sport. It was in the Olympics. You, you were yeah. a part of the first, you know, America Cup team. You guys were gold medals for that. And I just think it's, it's amazing that, you know, basketball is not just five-on-five five and it's encompassing. It's just super diverse. And I'm sure it's, it's grown a lot since you played in 2014 to 2021. Oh, yeah. Like what, what are the differences that you've noticed? Um, the game is getting better, you know, just because in 2014, it was still new and there was men's teams playing year round, um, especially in Serbia. They've got uh, two really good men's teams that are, this is their career. So they do play year round. Um, but for us, like the U.S., we were late to the party in our development, in our commitment to growing the game. Um, I feel like this year is the first year that we're really like all hands on deck. We're going to do this the right way. We're going to be. Um, like a prominent player on the FIBA Women's Series circuit. Um, and this is the first season where that we're going to be at consistent tournaments every, every, every weekend. Um, so just the fact that USA Basketball is getting behind it as a federation just shows the growth because in 2014, they were like, oh, we're just going to select four players. We'll have them play in a little tournament here in Colorado Springs, and then we'll send them on their way. What happens, we don't know, but we'll wish for the best. I mean, thankfully, we were able to win because we just rely on our talent. Right. Uh, but now the game has grown so much that you can't just rely on your talent. And like three on three is a really tactical game. Like mm -hmm. there's so much strategy in that goes into it that just because you're a good five on five player does not mean you're going to translate into a good three on three player. Um, and I think that's huge. in like knowing that that, that that's crucial, like um, it's just a different game. So and it takes time to get it, to get the hang of it. Um, so I think, you know, as years have gone by, people are getting more better with their strategy. Um, they're playing it more. There's more opportunities. And naturally, it's just going to grow the game. 
Absolutely. I played you will see 3 on 3 2013, I think it was 2012, maybe. It was the U18. And uh, it was me, um, Brianna Turner, Kayla Davis, and Diamond the Shields. And I remember in one game, Diamond and Kayla fouled out. So me and, and Bree were playing two on three versus a Chinese team. It, oh we actually went into overtime. <laughs> we didn't end up pulling it out, but it was a crazy experience. But I actually was, remember that. I yeah. remember this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so no, my years were all jacked up. I'm thinking about my college years. So we we went in 2010. Okay. So yeah, 20, because I graduated in 2011. So yeah, we went, Jewel, Tiff, and Sarah and I went in 2010. And I think 2009, 2008 was the first year it came on the scene. Yep. And then you played 2012, you said? Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. I remember that actually. <laughs> uh, and was Travis still y'all's manager guy? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yes, yes, yes. Travis, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. It was, it was a crazy time and it's just a whole new set of basketball, different rules, different conditioning. I was like, Three on three, it's easy because you know when when coaches say play on three on three, we're like heck yeah, we play half yeah. court, it's cool, like we chilling. No, it's it's completely different. You, I, we were gas. We went through like a yeah. full ten minutes and we were completely gas. Your cool cardio has you. to be on a yeah, yeah. Quarter, cardio has to be on a whole nother level. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're rooting you on. All the birds I view fans are rooting you on. Excited <laughs> for you. We'll be we'll be keeping tabs on you and, and hopefully getting some updates on how three on three is going. And I also am rooting for you to get some rest. <laughs> I'm you. in rest mode right now and I want you to experience what I'm experiencing, some relaxation, be home with the family. So I know how that is. But thank As you well. for being on. This was an amazing interview, super fun. Probably one of my favorite interviews that I've done. So Hey, let's go. That's all you. That was all you. I'm saying I was uh I was just telling one of my friends is visiting. I was like, we gotta do some type of partnership because you got birds eye view, I got birds word, my blog. So we gotta make something happen. Like a media outlet has to sign us. Let's make a shake. We'll talk after this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody needs to bring us on board. Absolutely. Like I'm I'm saying, like it's just it's necessary. But before we take off. We like to do the story of the day. And that's when I ask my guests, what is their craziest overseas story? So do you have one for us? Jantel Lavender had a pretty darn crazy story. So let's see what you got. She, you know, she looks like she would have some crazy stories. (laughs) (laughs) Like she just looks like she has a lot of stories to tell. Um, my, My story maybe wasn't as crazy as Jantel's, but mine was just like, it was my first year overseas. So, you know, you have no idea what to expect. Um, and, and I'm actually writing a blog. It'll be later down the road, but, um, where I talk about Naples, Italy in my year there. And I, I intentionally say that if it wasn't for Noel Quinn, who is now the head coach mm-hmm. of the Seattle storm, she was my veteran teammate at the time. This was her 10th year overseas. And this was my first if it had not been for her, I would not have survived that season. Like I would have either packed my bags in the middle of night and fled the country, or I would have been in an Italian jail. Like mm-hmm. just because it was, it, it, we experienced so much from our president was mafia. Diana and Sue's team. Yes. So he was mafia, but not nearly as like prominent and, uh, skilled as that type of mafia. <laughs> he was right. a lower level mafia. Okay. And not, not the 
obvious, but he just wasn't where they were at. Yes. Uh, and then, so we were dealing with that wrinkle. Then we were dealing with, um, like, there was just a bad, like, vibes around this club. And I kept saying it to Noe, like, these people must not be living life right because something bad is happening every week. Like, mm-hmm. my point guard's uh, car got stolen. Mind you, she was dating the president. So it, it was- happens a lot overseas. Players say the coaches, the presidents, that happens. Yes. Exactly. So my point guard was dating our mafia president. Um, Her car got stolen. Another day we're lifting weights, um, minding our own business and the furnace in the gym blows up. The entire place fills with smoke. We have to evacuate immediately. Um, Another morning we walk into the gym and the backboard is completely shattered. There's glass everywhere. Mind you, we're the only team that practices there or plays there. So how this backboard got shattered is still beyond me. Like it it was just one thing after another. And I was like, I'm either going to kill an Italian or I have to leave this country. Like, and it was just all new. It was my first year. I didn't know what to expect. Oh, that's my first year. It's the rough. And I know we had said this was her worst year overseas. Mind you, she had played 10 years up to this point. (laughs) I'm starting on a 10 years bet worst year. So I was like, well, like I can only go up from here. Like if I survive this, I can survive anything. Exactly. So, I mean, Naples, what a time to be alive. I mean, that was just an experience. (laughs) I I think you, I think you beat Jantel. That (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, just at least you practice in a haunted gym. Wait, what? I said you practice in a haunted gym. That's what it oh, seems yeah, like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I. It was some really skeptical, shady stuff going on. And then with for playoffs, oh yeah, and we you didn't have you couldn't flush the toilets. You had to literally fill up a bucket of water from the shower and bring the bucket over to the toilet to flush oh, it. Oh no, no. How did you how did you stay there that long? <laughs> Was, was, not I was actually getting good mafia money, but <laughs> that's why money talks. It was the only reason I stayed. There was no soap at the gym. You had to bring your own soap. You had to bring your own toilet paper. Uh, toilet paper. <laughs> and, and, and for playoffs, we had home court advantage, but then um, we couldn't even play at our gym because. The government had said that our, our gym, which it wasn't, wasn't up to code and that it wasn't safe to have games played there with fans and players. And I'm like, well, this is strange that it's just now happening in playoffs. We've played an entire season here. I also think that's a little shady. But okay, so we ended up playing our home games on the road, like at a, a gym that wasn't ours. That had to be some mafia business. It was. You yeah. cannot tell me differently. And I hope nobody in Italy is listening to this because I don't want them to come find me. But I'm like, for sure, something was not right with this. <laughs> and they ended up, you know, they folded a year, a year later. They were done. It had to be. Had to be. I don't know how they could have gone any longer. And I no, hope sure. that no one else would have the experience with you experience. You for sure have won Bird's Eye View. I thought Jantails was crazy, but you for sure have won. If you want to hear more about <laughs> stories, where can we find you? Where can we find this blog? Because I, this is like a novel. I'm going to keep flipping the pages. Where, where can we find you everywhere? Um, so C underscore vertical 11 is my social handle. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, and then my website is ccburdick.com. There's where you can find my blog. It's called Bird's Word. 
Um, I just recently wrote about my first year in the WNBA. So that's whirlwind part one. It's going to be a multi-part series. I'm in trying to finish up part two right now, but everything's going crazy with finals and whatnot. Um, but part two should be coming out soon. Um, and yeah, that's going to be a series and then we'll get into some overseas stuff. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Super dope. You should write a book along with the blog. Cause I would freaking read that. That is, that is tremendous. That is crazy love, stuff. Appreciate that bird. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, fans, you've reached the end of the episode. Once again, I'm Eric McCall, aka Bird, because last name is McCall. We've got Bird, <laughs> the, uh, the another bird in the house. Yeah, right. So anybody, look, media outlets, y'all listening, I know you are right here. We're the birds. It's a podcast, blog, book, series. Just come sign us right now. Talk to us. Two birds. <laughs> one show one one book whatever whatever we're gonna do we're gonna figure it out you're gonna roll right here two birds one show there we go <laughs> i'm saying super dope thank you for being on again sierra uh if you want to follow me you can follow me at birds of word underscore 24 on instagram and twitter you can follow the podcast page at one bird's eye view on twitter and on instagram birds eye podcast you guys it's been a blessing thank you again for listening Deuces.